Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 14 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for August 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. We'll follow our usual format today. We'll get things started with a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture, followed by a visit from Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Commissioner Strain will bring us up to date on everything happening in his department. He'll give us a recap of how his department came out of the four legislative sessions that we had earlier this year, and he'll talk about other issues as well. Then we'll go in the field up to Red River Parish to visit with Jason Anderson. Jason is a diversified farmer. He has traditional crops like corn and soybeans, but he also grows 40 acres of vegetables. He grows pumpkins in the fall. He has several greenhouses, so he has his hands in a lot of different enterprises. He'll give us an update on everything that's happening on his farm there in Red River Parish. Then our market analysts stop by as usual. Greg Fox will look at the grain markets. Dave Foster will look at the cattle markets. And we'll wrap it all up with a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. And it all starts right now on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The 2018 Louisiana rice harvest is well underway right now. Vermilion Parish rice grower Alan McLean Jr. So far the yields have been uh, very good. The uh, conditions of the ground are actually better than we expected. It, uh, we got caught a little dry spell, so the ground is drying very well. We're not rutting it up for a, a ratoon crop. We're actually a, a little later than what we normally start. Michael Frugier of St. Landry Parish says he's starting later this year also, and that may prevent him from having a ratoon crop. I think a lot of it has to do with the cold weather that we had earlier in the year, which we really felt at that time that it was going to set us back. We rely... 100% on second crop because we don't have crawfish, so we like to uh, retune everything we grow. And it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that this year just because the harvest is going to get too late. Last year we started harvest on July 13th. Uh, today we, was our first day, uh, July 23rd. Uh, put us 10 days later. But Frugier says his first crop has a lot of potential. I think the potential is there. The crop is there. Uh, we had really good growing conditions. We had warm weather. Uh, later on, it was dry for most of the uh, reproductive stage, and then also the temperatures have been really, really high. 
LSU rice specialist Dr. Dustin Harrell reports yields from a low of 34 barrels an acre on Jasmine Rice in Cameron Parish up to 67 barrels an acre on a field of 753 in Vermilion Parish. 2018 is turning out to be a very good year for Louisiana cotton producers. Don Molino has more. According to the latest information gathered by LSU Ag Center Extension Service cotton specialist Dr. Dan Frommey at the Deanley Research Station, overall this year's crop is looking really good. There's some fields out there that I think have the potential to, uh, you know, set new records. We're looking at a crop that I think is going to be a lot better than the uh, 2016 and 2017 crop where we lag behind other states in those two years. So, uh, we're hopefully optimistic that uh, you know we'll see statewide yields as good as is possibly 2013 and 2014, which would be would be good news for cotton. Only downside right now is uh, some of the dry land fields across the state uh, that didn't receive some of the rains uh, are going to be down. But uh, you know currently I believe uh, over 50% of our acres are irrigated here in Louisiana, so uh, fruit load is really looking good. So uh, we're cautiously optimistic at this time. Frommy is also cautiously optimistic this could be a record-setting crop. Surprisingly, plant bugs haven't been as uh, severe as uh, the last two years. That's good news. Uh, We haven't nearly put as many insecticide uh, applications on for the plant bugs. Bollworm numbers still haven't been as bad either compared to the last two years so uh, there have there has been isolated pockets where uh, bowworm numbers have been really high but uh, overall it's really been a uh, a low year as far as plant bugs and bowworms are concerned as we get into uh, the month of august first week you know we'll probably start to see some you know scattered open bowls across the state after we get into the, the middle to the end of august you know we always start thinking about uh, defoliation harvest time we'll usually see the pickers out there around labor day here in louisiana i'm don molino on the voice of louisiana agriculture podcast about 150 louisiana agri-science teachers met in vidalia recently for the louisiana agri-science teachers association conference and some of those teachers took to the woods of the natchez state park to test their forestry skills with the goal of taking what they learned back to their students jake mccormick teaches agri-science in washington parish Oh, it's educational. I'm, I'm out here with professionals and, and just collaborate with other teachers, but it pushes me. There's, there's a lot of things that we've covered today that, uh, you know, I had touched on a little bit before, but I've never really delved into it using a wedge prism and some of the forestry tools, um, calculating or kind of some of the, the problems we were going through earlier, calculating what a logger would go through when he was uh, bidding out a job, things like that. It pushes me. Anything that pushes me to learn more, you know, obviously is good for my students as well. Richland Parish Ag teacher Beth Gray. I think it's definitely going to benefit my students um, because forestry is not just about the lumber industry but uh, also it includes wildlife management in there Uh, and we have a lot of students that are interested in those types of career areas. Uh, Forestry is the number one uh, job employment in uh, Louisiana and so um, it's going to provide them some of those career skills that they'll be able to go out and get a job. For the first time ever, Louisiana agriculture students will now have the opportunity to earn an industry-based certification in forestry forestry, which is our state's top agricultural industry. The new seed cotton program from USDA will allow farmers the chance to update their seed cotton payment yield, which applies to the 2018 crop year. 
but LSU Ag Center economist Dr. Michael Deliberto points out it's a complicated process. It's one where producers are going to have to allocate their generic acres on their farm to either seed cotton base or other cover commodities that they planted between that 9 to 12 window. Uh, seed cotton now being designated as a cover commodity means it's eligible to get PLC or ART support. Payments to the farm now for the 2018 year are going to be decoupled from production. Payments are going to be made on base acres. Generic acres aren't going to exist anymore moving forward in the new farm bill. Seed cotton will be a cover commodity just like corn, soybeans, rice, wheat, etc. Some of the necessary information to be updated may already be on file at your local farm service agency office. The base allocation is important. The next thing is going to be updating the payment yields. Seed cotton, the way the program is designed, is going to take the upland lint price and the cotton seed tonnage price and combine those two products and form a seed cotton price. Uh, for that, payment yields on the farm are going to have to be updated. Uh, a farm should have a countercyclical yield on file with their FSA office. That yield can be updated. Uh, they're going to put a 2.40 factor on it to scale it to a seed cotton yield, and that's going to be the payment that's going to be allocated to seed cotton should the producer choose to participate in the PLC program. Deliberto also points out that sign-up is now underway and will continue through December 7th. Producers should definitely be in tune with their FSA office, be alert for the updates, make the elections. There are some default options out there. Producers need to update their payment yields and decide if they're going to convert their generic base to seed cotton or allocate that generic base to other covered commodities on the farm. It provides price support revenue support to cotton farmers. Previously in the farm bill, cotton received no Title I support outside of the marketing loan program. The PLC is a price protection program. It's designed to provide price protection in times of suppressed market prices. The ARC is a shallow loss revenue plan to guard against declines in either price or revenue. So effectively, this program makes cotton seed eligible for Title I support. That's a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up next, it's time to go to the halls of government in our grassroots government segment. We'll talk with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On Grassroots Government this week, we're talking with Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Dr. Strain, how are things going for you today? Oh, very good. Very good. You know, we've got the weather's pretty good. It's not too hot out there. We're getting rain across the state, you know, and so I think the crops are growing and, and you know, going to be a great weekend. 
Commissioner, you and I have not talked since the legislature finally went home a little over a month ago. Tell me, if you would, how your department fared after four legislative sessions this year. Well, we were able to get our legislative agenda through. As you know, each year we generally have about 15 uh, legislative instruments. And so, you know, this year we had about 10. And one, a very important one, was the Sunset Review, which means, you know, basically I think every fifth year, four, four to five years, you have to reenact the department. And so that was successful. We were able to pass that. And then we, you know, dealt with a number of issues, everything from the Weights and Measures Commission to the criminal statutes for the theft of livestock and timber uh, and changing, you know, the way we look at livestock dealers. Uh, And, of course, uh, we were able to, you know, do some cleanup legislation on our seed laws. And the thing about dealing with the laws, you know, each year we scour all of the laws to see what needs to be modernized because, you know, you know, this is an ongoing process. So we were very, uh, in a very good position with our legislation. At the end of the day, uh, our budget was cut because as we were going into the final days, what happened in order to come up with the money uh, to secure the necessary votes to pass the 0.45 cents, uh, the different state agencies were cut. My agency was cut uh, over $800,000, and that plus addition, the uh, the the automatic uh, cost of living increase for employees, which we estimate about $250,000 was not funded. So a net $1 million cut. In addition to that, as we have paid off our bonds uh, for the Agriculture Finance Authority, the amount of state general fund equivalent, $6.1 million, was taken out of our budget. So overall, about over $7 million less revenue for this year than last year. But functionally, since we didn't have additional debts to pay, the cut was about a million dollars, and those are hard dollars. And so our state general fund continues to decline, and we have to find ways, uh, again, to become self-funded. Commissioner, I know you and the governor made another stop recently on your farm listening tour. You went down to Plaquemines, Louisiana, and visited with a sugarcane farm there. How did that visit go, and how did the governor react to what he heard from the farmers there at that meeting? Well, it went very, very well, and I want to reach out and thank Mr. Al and Miss Debbie Landry. We were at Al Landry's farm, we had in his shop, and that was in Plaquemine, Louisiana. And we had a, you know, a full crowd, a full day, and and the governor actually uh, was able to acquire some Washington Parish watermelons that we all enjoyed, and and of course, you know, Farm Bureau was there, and and of course, we were there, and was and all of the farmers here, and they really we talked for a long time, and on these listening tours, we're there to listen. And, you know, talking about the importance of one, they were very thankful and very glad and very, you know, emphatic that we did not increase the sales taxes on agriculture, which, as you know, which would make us non-competitive, especially where the prices are now. You know, with soybeans down and corn down and other products down as a result of the trade disputes that we're having, to put another 10% or some percentage on cost of inputs would have been devastating. So they're thankful for that. Infrastructure is a big discussion. One, uh, the fact that in all the rural areas, uh, there's growing difficulty for the local government to maintain the local roads, the local bridges, and then for the state, uh, as there's continued economic development in and around the river parishes uh, by these large you know, industrial concerns, how do we get our products to market? How do we deal with the traffic? How do we get our trucks up and down the highway getting to the grain elevators. 
you know, because the majority of the land is in agriculture. And those trucks have to move. They have to move efficiently. And so talking about how do we get, you know, some alternative routes? How do we find ways to fund a new bridge? You know, what are we going to do and how do we pay for it? And that was a very big concern uh, of theirs as we move forward, plus the infrastructure at our forts and what we're doing with our rail systems. And so all of those things tied together. And finally and consistently, what are we doing, you know, about funding and keeping our ag research and extension entities in place? So, and so the governor was very receptive to that, and he and I continue to talk about that and to try to grow and protect agriculture and our farm economy. Commissioner, you already mentioned the fact that we're dealing with some serious trade issues right now, uh, with Louisiana being home to you know the major port, the major river for exporting agricultural goods. It all comes right through us, uh, and of course, these trade issues affect our farmers. Uh, Louisiana is in a situation to really be hit hard, as we have by this trade situation right now. And I think what you're going to see, you know, our big discussion is where are we going to be with our planting intentions in January, February, March, in Louisiana and in the nation. You know, if you look at soybeans right now, November beans are at $8.97. And, of course, you're looking at corn, September corn, 366. And so when you start looking at those prices, you know, how do we continue to operate with those particular prices? and how we can move forward. Now, one of the things that's going on, uh, and we've been working with the USDA, I've been working with Bill Norley, who's the Undersecretary for Farm Services Agency, on, quote, the market facilitation program. Uh, and, of course, uh, Mr. Richard Fordyce is also going to be heading that up. And uh, these are two former ag commissioners that I've worked with. And a part of that is to how do we compensate our farmers for when, with some form of direct payment through the Commodity Credit Corporation to offset that which has been lost due to the to the tariffs. And bear in mind, this money comes from the tariffs that are being charged on imported goods. Also, uh, Greg Eibach is going to be working uh, on a purchase and distribution program, food purchase and distribution, that will actually come through our warehouses here at the department, that's to the Agriculture Marketing Service, to purchase an expected surplus of affected commodities. And then uh, we will have Ted McKinney, Undersecretary, and an increasing pressure for trade promotion to the Foreign Agricultural Service. So we're working on that end. So that's $12 billion that we're working to shore up our farmers that you know, are affected by the trade discussions. The big key is where we're at next year. And some of the key things going on this year for the first time, probably since World War II, there's been more rice consumed worldwide than produced. More consumed than produced. For the first time in many years, there's more cotton consumed than produced. So we're going to be watching these stocks-to-use ratio. And what's going to happen worldwide, if as a result of the tariffs, there is a decrease in production. You know, will corn follow? Will wheat or, or cotton, sugar or beans? Will that follow uh, these particular patterns? And so that's, going to, that's where the rubber is going to really hit the road when we see what's going to happen as we plant our next crops. Because everything is in motion for the crops now, and the question will be, you know, you know, will the farmers be able to cash flow? Will they be able to get loans to go into next year? Uh, you know, what the early indications of the future commodity prices will be at that time? You know, what commodities will be planned and what will not? And how do we interact with all of this going on? So there's a lot 
to consider between now, really, and the 1st of January. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, thank you so much for your time, Commissioner. Thank you. Have a great day. Up next, it's time to go in the field to talk with one of you. Jason Anderson of Red River Parish joins us next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field this week to talk to Jason Anderson. Jason is a farmer in Red River Parish. How's it going today, Jason? Terry, it's doing well. You guys get some rain up there in the last few days? We did. Thank goodness, finally. Inch to three inches, roughly. How bad did you need it? We needed it something terrible. Of course, we could have used it a little earlier in the year, but we'll take what we can get. Well, Jason, let's run through your farm. You're a very diversified farmer. You have a little bit of everything. Take a minute for me, if you will, and run through everything that you guys uh, have in the ground, livestock, everything that's going on for you this year. Harry, we usually start out selling nursery stock out of our greenhouses, uh, Boston Farms, and that kind of starts us out. And while we're doing that in the early springtime, we're trying to get all our vegetables planted we do about a 40 acre vegetable farm and sale during the summertime there off of the farm and while we're planting vegetables we grow about 300 acres of soybeans and roughly about 300 acres of field corn and then we run about 200 head of mama cows everything kind of stays spread out until it's all ready and that usually seems to get ready all at one time there in the fall we try to mess with a few pumpkins and sell local stores or churches for fundraisers so we just try to keep a hand and a little bit of everything to keep it all a turning you don't seem to enjoy having time off i don't carry <laughs> I have to stay busy. I get bored. But I know you are getting ready to take a little time off this weekend, you told me. Yes, sir. We're going to try to go enjoy things. And then, of course, in amongst everything, the kids will all go back to school and some into college. So everybody's getting to see some new frontiers in life. Well, I know that you just closed up your vegetable stand for the year yesterday. Let's talk about vegetables. So what kind of year did you have? The vegetable crop was good early in season. We got a lot of stuff planted early. And then, of course, Mother Nature worked in there, and we had some late freezes uh, here in North Louisiana, and that seemed to hinder a few things that we plant early, but they snapped out of it finally and started growing. Overall, we had the best peach crop we've ever seen. We added about 550 trees to the orchard last year, and wow, they surprisingly made a few peaches this year, so we got to see how they'll perform in the future years. 
was, you know, everything went well. It was just really hot and dry when it got 106 to 110, you know, there in late July, things just kind of gave up on us, which I don't blame it. Just too hot. But uh, overall, uh, the vegetable crop was, was good, Kerry. People love fresh vegetables. Let's talk about your uh, traditional row crops, corn and soybeans. How has that season gone for you? Kerry, it started out, we got it all planted. It started out wet. and It was kind of tough to get the corn fertilized, but we managed to get it all done. Uh, everything came up willingly and looking good, and then it got dry and got really scary. But uh, we caught a few showers here or there, and knock on wood, everything looks good. Uh, although on the on the field corn, my gosh, we have a horrible hog infestation all over the state, I know. But they've really hit us hard here where I live. They haven't been this bad in years, but hopefully they haven't torn up a lot. But we'll know here in a few weeks when we actually get in the field. When do you plan on putting a combine in there? Uh, about a week or so. Let it dry up a little bit. And, and it takes us about a week to get all our equipment put back together. <laughs> Well, I know how bad the hogs are up there. I was at my dad's place earlier this week, and uh, we nailed a few hogs back behind his house. I've been hunting hogs with with you and your buddies up there uh, in years past. We kill hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those things, and they just still seem to get worse. That's right, Kerry. I, I don't really know the answer to it. We've hunted. We've had propane cannons going off. We've got the traps. When you kill one, it seems like they're gremlins. They multiply. Uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're just having to fight through it. It's just another something to tend to. And that, you know, creates more havoc and, and heck on the crop and the farmer. But, uh, you know, we're blessed every day with everything else. But it's, it's, it's just something else to, you know, to have to tend to. How about the soybeans? How are they looking so far? The, the soybeans look good. There's beginning to be a lot more insect pressure right now worms are hatching out so we're having to stay on top of them as dry as it's been they're kind of some of the only green stuff in the area so of course the birds are loving that but uh you know knock on wood hopefully we'll we'll have a decent crop with them i know that the pasture conditions have been tough this year hay has been in short supply is that the case on your place it is we do have a little grass but it's pretty bare in certain spots but the hay situation is is looking bad we're probably going to try to plant some supplemental grass some rye grass or something you know in the fall of course it's going to have to rain for that to activate (laughs) but you know like daddy's always said it's going to rain one day when it does it's it's going to be wet. So anyway, you just, you got to have, you got to have a hope. That's why we farm. Have your cattle been able to, uh, to maintain condition throughout all this dry weather and high temperatures this summer? Surprisingly, yes, Carrie. We just pinned cows Monday and Tuesday and, and pulled our calves off. And we were really impressed with the, the weights that they had and, and, you know, how they did. So yeah, they're holding their own. I know a lot of people are pulling calves off early this year. Uh, as I mentioned, I was at my dad's this weekend. He pulled some off and sent them to the barn. He told me that they had 1,100 head right there at uh, Red River Livestock and Armistead right there by you. So a lot of folks are, are getting rid of calves. Seems maybe a little earlier this year. Do you think that's the case? Uh, yeah, Kerry. Uh, we did send some up there as well, and, and they, did, uh, they did do well as far as the market. We went ahead and pulled some lower weight calves off just to get them off of mama, just to try to give the pasture some relief and maybe the grass, you know, will pick up a little. So, But, yeah, I, I've seen a mini truck and trailer go by the house going to the sale barn. So. Well, Jason, buddy, I really appreciate the time. I know you are busy getting ready for a rare couple of days off and a little trip out of town, so I'm going to let you go, but I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, Kerry. Thank you for calling. 
Up next, it's time to look at the markets. Greg Fox is standing by with a look at the grain markets, and Dave Foster will take a look at the cattle markets. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at lafarmbureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And to talk about the markets, we're visiting with Greg Fox. He's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, let's first talk about the soybean market. We did see some volatility in the market this week, a big jump on one day, a big drop on the next. What was behind that this week? Still tariff talks. Um, Earlier in the week, talks where things were going well with Mexico, and then that we were going to sit down and talk to China, and it seemed positive, and that's why you saw the big run-up. The following day, the talk turned to Trump administration adding potentially another 25% or adding 25% tariff on top of the 10% tariff we have around September 15th is the date for that. And so with that announced or the talk of that, it it pulled the market down. Um, China said that they'll add more tariffs on their end as well, if that is the case. And so you saw downside on Wednesday and Thursday. Greg, I've read where some early soybean harvest is getting underway in Louisiana. Are you hearing that from any of your customers? Yeah, we had um, some arcane customers that started cutting soybeans. And so far, pretty good quality. Some stuff uh, a little wet and some butter beans mixed in. But uh, overall, a few folks were able to get going. And uh, so far, it's been uh, good soybeans. Corn harvest, of course, I know is well underway. Give me an update on that from your customers. Kind of hearing all across the board on yields, anywhere from 80 to 180. And some of the 180 fields did 190, 200 plus last year. So the most of the folks we talked to, yield is definitely down some. So just fighting that. But again, just getting started. And some of them are hoping that they're in the worst fields first. Um, but overall, it seems to be a pretty good harvest to get started on the corn side. What about the corn market? I know we wrapped up the week on a positive note, up three cents. How did the corn market do this past week? It's been pretty steady. We saw a big rumor out of European countries yesterday where they weren't going to export some wheat, some milled wheat. They were going to hold exports on that, and that was a big jump in the markets. Uh, We saw quite a big run on the wheat side, and that gave a lot of support to the corn market as well. When you see a big run in wheat, you usually see a lot of support on the corn side. All that kind of settled down. It turned out to be a false report, and you've seen things settle down a little bit. But we've seen added strength back in the corn market today. So overall, corn's just kind of been holding on. Greg Fox, Grain Marketing Specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, Greg. Anytime. 
The soybean market closed higher to end the week. August beans up three and three quarters, eight eighty-six and a quarter. November soybeans up four and three quarters, nine oh two and a quarter. Corn was higher also. September corn up three, three sixty-nine and three quarters. December corn up three cents, three eighty-four and a quarter. September wheat down four and a quarter, closing at five fifty-six and a quarter. Rough rice closed lower. September rice down thirteen and a half at eleven forty-nine and a half. November rice down nine and a half, closing at eleven forty. A lower close for the cotton market. New crop December cotton down 71 points. It closed at 88.12 cents a pound. September sugar up 25 points to end the week at 26.05. Cattle futures were higher. August live cattle up 207, 110.67. August feeder cattle up $1.65, 152.85. And now we move to the cattle markets to talk with Dave Foster of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Dave, I understand you have been a traveling man over the last week. Yes, yes. It seems like that I was certainly on the road, if you will, about 3,000 miles in five days. Well, tell me about the trip. What was your trip about? What did you look at and what did you discover? Well, there's the the executive board of Cattle Producers of Louisiana, myself, uh, Dave Sanson, and uh, Mike Kovac got together and left on a Saturday. And, and what we do every year is we go somewhere and gather information and and uh, in places that may help our members. And so this year we uh, we started out by by going to a uh, a cow killing plant in uh, as a matter of fact it was in Hereford, Texas. It's Cavanus uh, is the name of the the, the plant, and they uh, they have got a a plant that uh, is I would say uh, Carrie is probably the most modern cow killing plant uh that uh, that there is today and so because of that we were able to uh to take a tour of it and even even today <laughs> packers not liking you know folks to come and 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 get involved in that but they took us through the whole plant from from where the cows were gathered in the uh, pens outside till they were the meat was put into the to the freezers Well, Dave, you and I have talked over the last few weeks about how we really have a lot of slaughter cows on the market right now. Did you find that to be the case at this plant? We asked them about the the cow situation because our markets have been depressed, and and they said, yes, we've got got plenty, plenty cows. Matter of fact, uh, they can kill 1,800 cows a day, and they're killing right at 1,700 a day and have been for um, for several weeks now and they 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 continue to think that this is going to be the this the the norm and so what does that mean to us uh, specifically is that we're weaning calves now and then we'll be preg checking those cows and any open cows that that we have will uh, you know they're they're going to go to the marketplace and and so if a fellow's got uh, you know instead of two or three or four or five or something like that. But if he big enough and has got 25 or 30 cows, he may want to this year consider holding those cows over, just roughing them through and then selling them in, in uh, February or March when the, when the cow market is at its highest. Well, Dave, when you were in that part of the country, I know you visited some feed yards. What did you find there? The carry home message for the, for the feed yard visits that we had, uh, all of those feed yards were full. Uh, they were they were taking cattle from 
They're just starting to move the cattle out of the Flint Hills, and so they're taking delivery of those uh, of those cattle. And and um, the long story short of that, they were trying to uh, get through this wall of cattle, and and uh, they were trying to keep this market, uh, uh, this fat cattle market, high. And were upset that they didn't they didn't sell cattle till uh, after five o'clock, as all of them told us last week, and that was upsetting and and then they they sold them a little cheaper and this week they were hoping that the same thing wouldn't happen but uh as you and i are talking it they haven't and this is friday they certainly haven't sold any any fat cattle to amount to anything uh this week either and and so the take-home message for us on the calf side of it is um it may be a little bit tough on some of these heavier cattle uh, although the market doesn't show that, however, uh, for us, uh, we you know our our ninety percent of our cattle weigh less than six hundred and fifty, and those cattle are going to go to a, a wheat pasture deal or a grow yard. So uh, our demand for those should be good and will continue to be good. The market this week uh, in our local auctions in Louisiana, there was a little bit of a firmness to the market in places. And so they continue to uh, uh, to buy our cattle. So I think that uh, that's a, probably a good uh, a good situation there. Well, Dave, I appreciate the update on the trip. It sounds like you got a lot of uh, good information to come out of there for Louisiana cattle producers. Yes, it was very successful, and I think that uh, that we've got some information that we can share with our members and others that uh, that will at least give them some. Uh, some choices, if you will, that they can uh, make the decision with with information that we are providing. Dave Foster, he's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. As always, Dave, appreciate the update. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. What's coming up over the next week in Louisiana agriculture? Well, we'll take a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar and find out. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. There's only one event to talk about on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. It's coming up on Thursday, August the 9th, and it is the second in a series of small farm fundamentals workshops that's being held in Alexandria. These workshops are being held each Thursday in August, and they have a different topic each week. This week's topic is Mastering Social Media to Build Your Brand Awareness. If you'd like more information on attending these small farm fundamental workshops, you can call 318 318- 
318-441-3400. That's 318-441-3400 for the Small Farm Fundamentals Workshop coming up this Thursday in Alexandria. That is a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar, and that does it for Episode 14 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll see you right back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.